I'm Brian Hu. I'm Ada Singh. And welcome to Saturday School. When your friends are watching Saturday morning cartoons, you're being forced to learn Asian American pop culture history. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Saturday School. On this episode, we're talking about the 2004 documentary, I Was Born But, by filmmaker Roddy Bogawa. I don't believe that memories should be confused with a life. But memories are fragile and ephemeral. And there is a difference between what things are and what they appear to be. The film is kind of this essayistic, diaristic documentary looking back on how Roddy got to know the punk scene and how that may or may not have shaped who he ended up becoming as an Asian-American, as a Japanese-American, as a filmmaker, and as a enthusiast of music. And so the film ends up becoming a way for him to make sense of the memories he's had and then to memorialize the places and the people that mattered so much to him at a certain age. So the movie begins with a couple of quotes by punk rockers back in the day. One by Joe Strummer of The Clash about the whole city being a debris of broken heels and party hats. And then we get this long, unbroken segment where we're just watching a Korean-American band. I think it's almost seven minutes of concert footage of a band named Seam, led by Young Park. And he really just wants us to live and relax and get into the vibe of Seam's music, and that becomes the setup for the rest of the film. I think it's a lovely way to start a documentary that is otherwise about the self and about one's own identity formation, but like talking about it in terms of this community of, of artists and musicians and people who care about punk and, and a certain kind of uh, underground independent musical scene. The title, I Was Born But is a reference to a Japanese film. Yeah, it's um, one of my favorite films of all time. It's... I think a lot of people is one of their favorite films of all time. It's a 1930s film called I Was Born But, uh, directed by Yasujiro Ozu. A silent film about family. It's about how a kid learns to become somewhat disillusioned by his dad, this guy he always looked up to. And it's that moment when your illusions about your parents get burst. But it's also like all kinds of disillusionment. You were born, but dot, dot, dot. I think it's intriguing that Roddy Bogawa's film would use that title. I don't find this film Ozu-esque in style and in theme, kind of. Roddy's film is a lot more introspective, but it's also a film that keeps signaling and exciting other works from unexpected places. So why not? It shows the life of an artist where one minute he's hanging out with Joe Strummer because apparently he's friends with him. And the next minute, he's just sitting there watching his dad playing golf at a driving range, hitting the ball over and over and over again. And he's reflecting on his relationship with his dad. And then the next minute, he's flipping through this LA Weekly for a really long time. Um, but you kind of get a sense of what his life is like, you know? Even though it seems kind of random and disjointed, there's a journey he takes us on. I have just turned 17. Matthew and I are at a punk rock show. He's just moved from England, plays the drums, and we've become best of friends. The band leaps around on stage, jerking at their instruments, and the audience imitates them, pogoing in the aisles. 
Following Matthew's lead, I too start frantically jumping up and down. It is kind of like a diary. You also see all these photos that he's discovered from his childhood. Yeah, and it's great. Like That's the scene where he takes us to his home in Hawaii, where his grandparents lived. And uh, he's looking at these photos, and his memories are that he didn't like Hawaii, but in all these pictures, he's smiling. And I think that's a nice way of, of thinking about how memories can be tricky, or ph- photographs can be tricky. Not just photographs, but then also, like you said, these newspaper articles. How do they memorialize the past? How do the actual memorials of like Joey Ramone, like the memorial on the streets, how, how is that properly remembering and appreciating and paying tribute to the past? And for Brody, it's like he's sort of in between. Like He knows that he's indebted to these icons and experiences he had growing up, but he also became something else. And, and so there's an ambiguity there that he likes to dwell in. I think it's worth mentioning that the the bulk of the film is him taking us to various places. We go to New York Chinatown. I like the scene where he's trying to film this shop in Chinatown. And one guy says, sure, but then the other guy's really mad at him. And then you see all of that. You see the guy putting his hand in front of the camera. And then it ends with him getting like duck blood thrown on him. I thought that <laughs> oh, was... Oh, yeah. It's so good. He threw like duck blood into the vents that splashed on him. Like that's... I thought that was a very like punk rock scene. <laughs> Like, you're going to film without permission and then get duck blood flashed on. Yeah, that's pretty badass. He takes us all over L.A., and part of the film, we're just watching his GPS. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I was fascinated by that. (laughs) Part of it is, like, it looks so quaint. Like, it's really old-style GPS. I know, because it's, like, not that long ago. It's not. It looks like it was a long time ago. And then I start thinking about, like, I mean, I've done that Sunset Boulevard drive many, many times. Yeah, I was trying to think, like, I've been to the Hollywood Palladium. What did I see there? What did you see there? <laughs> I mean, I saw garbage there. I'm only happy when it rains. But, like, way later. That's cool. It was cool. I don't know if it's cool compared to all these other bands that he's talking about, but it was cool for me in my childhood. <laughs> but I think it's also, like, I think, I think it's cool because by the time he's filming Joe Strummer of The Clash in the 2000s, that's no longer... The Clash from the 70s. I mean, Joe Strum is cool, obviously. He's a legend. But um, by the time they shot this footage, he's not even singing on key. <laughs> but everyone is really excited to see him, obviously. Like, I'm sort of excited just to see this concert footage. But I, I, I really like this, that, that this film works in those ways. That it's if it's not just about that scene, if it was just about the punk scene, I don't think we could connect it with it as well. But as a result of it being actually about the memory of a scene, we can identify with that. With the idea of remembering things from our adolescence and then how we revisited it later on. For Roddy Bogawa, this idea of appropriating punk, it goes hand in hand with his own identity as an Asian American. So even if his other films aren't so explicitly about Asian Americans, we see how his formation of a punk identity is related to him feeling like an outsider in Hawaii, feeling like an outsider within the punk scene in the mainland. So he's constantly slipping between all these identities. Like, he calls it a beautiful confusion. Um, like what, where, where does he fit within that scene? And then how that scene itself is very... A mishmash of different kinds of people. And we don't have to find the Asian Americanness in I Was Born, but the way we would do wood for another other film. Like, it's Asian American cinema and, uh, and popular culture shouldn't just be a one size fits all that we can apply to any film. Like, like a film like I Was Born, but allows us to use that analytic in a more kind of casual way, in a way that allows us to explore it as opposed to impose an identity or impose certain kind of obvious questions upon the film. The movie just sort of like we, we wander around these landscapes with him 
And and then as a result of that constant feeling of ambiguity and interrogation, we start interrogating like, well, what do what are we even looking for in an Asian American film? And I think that's for me that's a more exciting place to be than just watching a film and thinking, oh, that's Asian American, and then just check off the check boxes. Whereas this one is like, let me write new check boxes. And uh, and if you don't check these off in the future, that's fine too. He just wants to create new possibilities. Do you remember when we put the RZA on the cover of Asia Pacific Arts for the first time? Yeah, yeah, I, I remember that exactly. I'll let you try my Wu Tang style. Bring the motherfucking ruckus! Bring the motherfucking ruckus! <laughs> yeah. I feel like we were playing Bring around with that. We were like, hey. Ruckus. But I think it's also us embracing that punk spirit of like, we don't have to just play by the rules. It's a great analogy because I think at least. I think for both of us, like we have a stronger affinity for hip hop than we do for punk. But like hip hop is tied into our identity of who we are and perhaps of our Asian American identity. And the RZA himself was is a big part of how I connected my being Asian American with my love for hip hop. And so just the same way that Roddy Bogawa might make a film about a, a punk singer, that could still be part of his Asian American expression. I'm laughing at you again now too. You think I have hip hop credit? <laughs> <laughs> you do. You do. <laughs> Okay, okay. I'm gonna go back to that because it's just gonna take us to a tangent. I think with a film like this, tangents are totally fine. Like, like this is a film that's that's constantly tangenting. So I think that's <laughs> this is our version of I was born, but oh, no, I like this. I feel like I have this distinct memory of you're very nice to me, so you don't look at me with disdain very often. <laughs> I have a vivid memory of you looking at me with complete disdain. <laughs> When I was talking about Britney Spears' version of my prerogative. <laughs> Go on. I, I, I can kind of guess what you're doing. And I don't think I knew it was a cover. And I think I listened to the original and I was like, I think I like the Britney Spears version better. And I saw the look on your face. Well, you were, I think you were trying to get that look. Although in hindsight, I will say Bobby Brown, Britney Spears... Their legacies, they're probably equals at this point. Britney might actually have surpassed Bobby Brown in my heart. So, so you know what? I, I was going to refrain from this, but Haikus for Hotties is totally punk. Hey guys, my name is Yoshi Sidarso. And I'm Peter Sidarso. And we're here to announce the third annual Haikus with Hotties calendar for 2018. What? <laughs> like, you're, you're like messing around, not just within like Asian American masculinity. You're also like messing with the form of of like centerfolds and of like of of like haughty calendars like you're doing things and that poetry. are inappropriate in a lot of people's eyes if that's how you want to define punk as shenanigans <laughs> but, but shenanigans but i think with like i mean there's artistry there and there's a simplicity and there is this like infectiousness and it's uh it's, and and it, you're not being subtle about it. It's People getting mad at you for <laughs> there's there's anger, but but yeah, but you but you stick to it. <laughs> like it's this this is this is your craft. This is this is what you've been training all those years for. I feel like any Asian American working in entertainment has a rebellious side, even if they listen to Britney Spears. Roddy Bagawa actually wrote a book recently called If Films Could Smell that's published by Kaya Press, an Asian-American literary press based out of USC. It's told by artifacts, diary entries, letters, emails, photographs, scripts, notes. It says, as with many of Bogawa's films, it's a collage that doesn't try to hide its seams, a jumble of ideas both realized and unrealized, an exploded diagram, and a manifesto. 
Doesn't that sound like I was born but but 13 years later in book form? Yep, totally. Um, but unfortunately, I don't know where you can find I was born but because we had to ask Chi Wei Yang, who gave us Roddy's email, who sent us a link that no one else is allowed to see. So I, I first watched the film at the Museum of Modern Art for a retrospective on him. And I wonder, actually, actually wonder if Chi Wei was involved with the curation of that. And I saw that Museum of Modern Art owns the film, so they have a copy there. But I don't think anyone can just walk in and watch it. So this might be a case of ask your university libraries, but even them, I'm not sure what they would have this. So this could be a tough one. But if it ever surfaces anywhere, you should check it out. Do you want to say anything about like the value of talking about these films, even if we can't see them? Yes, I think about this a lot. Um, when we show films at our film festival that we know won't ever have distribution, these filmmakers, you know, they might make it available on iTunes or Netflix for a couple of years. And then after that, it, there was never any physical printing of it. So really the way it lives on is in the program notes that we write, in our program booklets. So I think what we do with the podcast and like talking about it, like letting people get a sense of what the content is, if people are never able to see these films, they can imagine it themselves. If they're artists, hopefully what we have mentioned can inspire them and that the films kind of live on in that way. I mean, it's interesting to think about for better, or for worse, because if you look up I Was Born, but the first thing I saw was the Variety review of it. And then there is a clip, sort of like a trailer clip of it, but it was only put up by Kaya Press because of this event earlier this year. So I don't know. I, I do think about that a lot too. Even the films that we talk about here in the podcast, we share this on social media and I'm always very aware that most people might just read the description of it and not even listen to the podcast. But that's if they're aware of this. Just these films and their titles and their filmmakers. That's enough in some ways, you know? So, so maybe we should do a season where we don't actually record and all we do is just <laughs> do titles. I feel like if... <laughs> like during the summer for 10 weeks i just wrote a description <laughs> of a podcast episode with a photo and there was no link I, we have listeners who would notice but i'm pretty sure only like a handful of our friends and family would notice i could live with this i don't think we have goals of reaching a mainstream audience because this is very specifically about asian americans learning their history right but at the same time i feel like my descriptions are meant to reach all of my friends non-asian and asian you know so what you're saying is that number one we are punk <laughs> and number two that the descriptions you're writing in 15 years we can pull out those descriptions and film ourselves reading them and then we will know that this once existed <laughs> we need a website we need a website that will look as cool in 15 years as the gps footage looks <laughs> and i was born button <laughs> yes and people will yeah. just be like what is this website that doesn't move and has no virtual reality capabilities <laughs> so quaint. I know. Where does the sky meet the dirt? Where does the color bleed into it? Focusing all eyes north. Put some energy into it. Saturday School is a proud member of Potluck, a collective of podcasts that features stories and voices from the Asian American community. 
It's produced by me and Brian. Our theme song is courtesy of Rimsky Music and Premium Beat. We have a Tiny Letter newsletter you can sign up for to get lecture notes. Tinyletter.com slash Saturday School Podcast. Or you can tweet us. I'm at Ada Singh, A-D-A-T-S-E-N-G. Brian's at Who's Brian, H-U-S-B-R-I-A-N. And the podcast Twitter handle is Wake Up Sats School. Next week is our final episode of Season 3 on Asian American Music Movies, so your assignment is to watch Song for Ourselves, a documentary by Ted Nakamura, or just watch all of Ted Nakamura's documentaries. Class dismissed. I am a crazy piece of work.